0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Jesus once said something to the effect that we see the speck in somebody else's eye but we don't see the log floating in our own eye We are so close to ourselves Yet, our eyes look out, they don't look in. We see everything all around us, but we don't see ourselves. And on this quest, it is of penultimate importance that we see ourselves. If we are going to know God, first we must know ourselves. It is a maxim in Sufism that to know your Lord, you must know yourself. But to know yourself takes incredible determination, because it's very difficult to know the self. And the reasons for that are numerous, and they're different for everybody. There's a challenge in knowing the self. And the challenge is that we must be able to see our faults as well as our positive attributes. And the majority of mankind has great difficulty in looking at their own faults. It's very easy to see other people's faults. It's very difficult to see our own faults. The reason determination is needed here is because when people see their own faults, they become frightened. And that fright stops them from digging deeper. Once you see your own actions, once you see what you've done to others, once you see the difficulties that you've caused, most people recoil. And in that recoil, they stop movement. They stop the progression of looking at the self. It becomes... Uh, frightening, so it's much easier to stop that process and just go on with life and not give that thought. In most of the religions, it is a, uh, understood that you should do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that you should have an understanding of your actions towards other people, and in that understanding it comes from how you would expect to be treated. Uh, the problem that most men face is they want to be treated with respect, but they have trouble treating other people with respect. And unless you can treat other people with respect, you're not going to get any. And we have to begin to understand how that works. So we have to be courageous in this search for the self. We have to be brave. This is not a path for cowards. Satan is in our midst and he is constantly trying to overwhelm us into the thought that all of our inadequacies are appropriate that all our inappropriate actions are correct. Ibn Arabi said that Satan when someone has Arrogance makes them think that all of their arrogant actions have somehow become appropriate. And he gives them the reasons. This is part of what he whispers. Satan is the great rationalizer. He will whisper in your ear and explain why whatever you did had merit and why it's right. And unless you can catch that, And unless you can begin to become self-critical, you can't move forward. Self-criticism is an incredibly important part of self-knowledge because until we become critical about certain parts of us, we won't stop doing what it is we're doing. Uh, So we have to begin with an understanding that we have difficulty, that each of us has difficulty. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is how do we find this and how do we stop it? How do we wrestle it? Uh, You may remember that Jacob, when uh, he climbed the ladder to heaven, met an angel and they wrestled. What did they wrestle about? What was the need for this wrestling? And we need to wrestle out of ourselves all of the qualities that don't belong in ourselves. And we have to be able to watch ourselves and watch our qualities as they come and as they go and be able to assess them. Um, We have to have self-control to an enormous degree. When um, we watch a man who has elevated himself, what are some of the things that we see? Well, we see a demeanor that is constant, a demeanor that is at ease at all times. We don't see overreaction, we don't see underreaction, we see a steadiness. We have to develop that kind of steadiness. We have to be centered and the same, and we have to develop an equilibrium. We can't be moved too much to the left and too much to the right we can't become overly happy and we can't become overly sad. Joy and sorrow are not part of our existence they are part of illusion and if we get into reality the kind of joy that is real is not the joy that's engendered by the world it's the joy that's engendered by God's qualities and we have to know the difference. Is our joy from lust, or is our joy from mercy and compassion? Where does our joy come from, and how is it established within us? What is the priority in our existence? Is it being right, or is it being merciful? Uh, An easy understanding, yet an incredibly difficult um uh, true situation in our life mercy overcomes the arrogance of needing to be correct mercy overcomes the arrogance of needing to get in the last word mercy overcomes the arrogance of needing to control mercy can allow other people the space that they need. And when we begin to understand that, then we can begin to change who we are from arrogant and powerful to merciful and humble. And there's a kind of power in humility that is greater than the power of arrogance. The power of arrogance is aggression. The power of humility is love. And love can overcome everything in a way that aggression can't even begin to understand. And we have to be able to find that love. We have to be able to find how that love works. And we have to be able to use love as our weapon, not aggression. So in every moment, when we think pushing will resolve something, we have to love. And to change from every other aspect of interaction to love is what's going to bring us into knowing ourself. Because the truth of ourself Is love. And if we don't treat every situation with kindness and love, we're never going to find ourselves because we're looking with eyes that can't see. We're looking in a way that will not bring about results. We're looking, we're trying to create something that can't be created. It's like trying to define architecture by dancing or something absurd. Yet we don't see the absurd nature of it. People don't understand that aggression will never bring about the results that you think it'll bring about. Um, And you have to suffer the consequences of love and be able to suffer them without complaint Gandhi explained to the world that aggression doesn't work and he was killed for it yet he sacrificed himself for that same understanding Martin Luther King is really the only recent um, man of worldly repute and worldly consequences who took on Gandhi's mantle of non-aggression. And it worked until he was killed for it. We have to be able to understand that to love in this world is going to require some sort of self-sacrifice. We may, we may not be killed for it, but we may be diminished. We may be attacked. We may be pushed. Yet, can we handle being pushed? Can we handle that kind of aggression towards us? And how do we react? Do we feel that once aggression comes towards us, we have to then respond with aggression? These are all difficult things. Uh, The prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, used restraint in every instance. And finally, he was given the permission by God to use aggression in response for self-defense. This is a difficult line, because man, without the wisdom of the prophet, doesn't quite understand where that line is. And without the wisdom of the prophet, that line becomes easier to say, we're there now as opposed to waiting for that time to actually come. So we should learn that we have to be restrained as much as we possibly can. And to find ourselves, we need restraint. We will never be able to know who we are unless we begin to love. Because we find ourselves through our love for others. We find ourselves through our love for God. We find ourselves through the surrender of our aggressive qualities. And that's what opens up the door to letting us know who we are. And unless we can do that, we will constantly be lost in our own assumptions and arrogance of thinking about ourselves and trying to protect ourselves. Protecting ourselves is an attempt to do what God does for us. God protects us. And unless we allow God to protect us, we are missing the point of reality. Allah is all there is. Allah is all-encompassing. Allah is the great benefactor. Allah is the one who gives, protects, sustains. And if we think we need to protect ourselves, we are placing ourselves in the midst of what Allah does for us. And we will find that he does a much better job of it than we do or we can do. And unless we allow him to do it, we interfere and then the true protection doesn't come. These concepts are hard to grasp, especially in the moment, because the world doesn't speak about them and doesn't talk about them but the truly great ones didn't try to protect themselves they always asked for God's protection and God came to them and protected them or let things go the way they were going Uh, Job is one of the great examples of this Job was the richest man in the area, all of a sudden he had nothing. And he said the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. He didn't complain and he didn't try to curse God. He asked for God's protection. And that's the most that we can do, is ask for God's protection. We need to realize how fragile and how small we are. And we also need to realize how fragile and how sensitive everyone else is so as we need to be held and caressed and give and given love to we need to do the same to others i remember my teacher baumohayuddin once saying That some of his children were so scarred and so beaten that all he could do was just hold them against his breast. And that was the extent of what could be done for them. And they needed a long time of just being held to bring them back into normality. So we all know our own pain. But we have to give up our own pain. We need to give up our own pain and feel the pain of others. But we have to give up our own pain. If we truly feel pain, then we are denying Allah. Because Allah gives everything and we are no longer in need. So when we find ourselves outside of need, We become closer to who we truly are. But as long as we are in pain and we need and we have self-pity, we are not close to knowing who we truly are. I mean, at the root of all of this is we are supposed to be God-like. And God doesn't have any of those qualities. So how can we have those qualities? We have to give up all the things that aren't god And all of those things where we're constantly thinking about ourselves are not of God. So, we have to become not self-reliant, but God-reliant. We have to stop being self-righteous and understand God's righteousness. And more important, we have to understand that there's no righteousness in the self The only righteousness in the self comes when the self disappears and God comes in. That's when we truly are. And every other time, we are not truly in existence. We are living in illusion. This is a hard thing to do, but it's what we have to do. And if we're truly going to find out who we are, and truly going to get to know ourselves. We have to give all of these things up. May it come to pass that we actually do. May it come to pass that our courage is such that we can bear the slings and harrows of illusion and all of the things that are thrown at us. May it come to bear that we're strong enough to bear up to the difficulties of existence. We have to become mature. We have to become like the holy men who took these things on as a gift from Allah to be able to show their belief in His redemptive qualities and in His ability to heal us and to make us move forward. May it be so for each of us. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbi salamu alaykum rahmatullah wa barakatuh.